Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry, Toyota. Let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Created from the cosmic legends of the universe. Dave Damaschek. The mission to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. Hi and hello football fans, it's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? Coming at you, episode 15 of the Dave Damashek football program. Coming at you from Canton, Ohio. We're here, day three of our long sojourn. Mr. Adam Rank, it's been uh, it's been a gay old time so far, I feel like. And uh, yesterday, episode 14, we caught up with Marcus Allen. Today, we're going to be catching up with our old pal, Gil Brandt, who last we saw in the uh, that bitter cold week in uh, February at the Super Bowl that had ended so bitterly for uh, Steeler fans and so happily for Packers. We had a good time. We sat up in that press box. Remember the NFL that morning, as you may or may not recall, I got a phone call in my hotel room in Dallas saying, hey, we need your ticket back. And I said, ha, 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 who put you up to this? Is it rank? Is this rank being a stinker uh, trying to trying to have me turn my ticket in? And they said, no, we saw, uh, sorry, we wish this were a joke, but there's a, a, an allotment of tickets issue and you need to turn your ticket back in. And sure enough, I had to give my ticket in. In my darkest hour, I didn't think I was going to get to go and see the Super Bowl after spending the whole week in Dallas. Um, but uh, finally, you saw fit and, uh, and Gil Brandt saw fit to bring me into the uh, – into the press box there with the uh, with the NFL and it was awesome right at the 50 best seat in the house for uh, what ended up being a pretty good game so all right so we're gonna get kibitz with the great Gil Brandt the ultimate insider are we yeah what do you mean are we no, I, just, okay. I just didn't get a chance to talk to Marcus Allen yesterday so what do you mean you absolutely did. what do you what mean you? did you see the NFL.com homepage I guess so. Yeah. Why oh, did you? No. There's a the, the podcast was up there. What are you yeah. talking about? I, the, Great the, photo of you and Marcus Allen. Adam Rank nowhere to be found. Uh, you weren't for you. You weren't. I wasn't even in the mentioned. Image. I wasn't even mentioned <laughs> in the intro in, in the little blurb. Didn't say Dave and Adam. <laughs> said Dave. Dave talks to Marcus Allen. Dave had these great questions about yeah. bringing football back to Los I Angeles. I did have some good questions talking about Damon Allen. <laughs> yeah, see, I remember you being there. You're, oh, you remember? Yeah, okay. you were definitely there. So why man. did you do that to me? <laughs> well, the boss is getting a little too too worried about his protege now. 
<laughs> what is this? Is like a, a Kenobi? No, like, I don't know. I don't know what. What it am is. I? I'm Kenobi in the equation, <laughs> and, and you're and uh, you're Vader. Like yeah. when last we met, you I was but the student. Now I am the master. I'm gonna go into through? the Jedi Temple right now. <laughs> Start wielding that lightsaber. I think. Listen, that I'm can only help. It, it can only help ratings. They always say conflict is good um, with with things like this. And Why uh, would you do that, though? Why? If would you, you became a Sith Lord, I think that would be. I think that would just be dynamite. You know. Why would I listen? Oh, thanks. I had nothing to do with how they portrayed our interview okay. with the great Marcus Allen. I had nothing because to according do to NFL.com, it was your interview. <laughs> It wasn't my interview. I love that. Your picture was nowhere to be found no. on the website. There was na- nary a mention of you. No. Uh, keep your chin up, fella. You'll make it someday, kid. <laughs> you keep your nose to the grindstone and the shoulder to, right? uh, your shoulder to the reel. Someday you'll you'll uh, maybe get to where I am. All right, boss. Yeah, keep working it. at it. Another no, okay. decade, 15 years tops, you're going to get there. I'll do what uh, – listen, if there's anyone I can call to help make that happen – I'm here for you. Is just that give, right? Uh, Thank just you. give me a phone call, and I'm happy. Well, you to... seem sincere, so that that means nothing. <laughs> if you want me to talk to Gil Brand or anybody else, but yeah, so we're going to talk to to Gil here in a second, and he's a master. He's got every connection. He knows everybody. There's yes. there there there. You'd be hard pressed to come up with a name in the history of the NFL that he doesn't have some great anecdote about. <laughs> so looking forward to talking great to him. Great, not so great. Again, it's episode 15 today. Mm-hmm. And we didn't talk about episode 14. Let's you do it quickly it because, because we have a lot. I wasn't there. <laughs> Saddle down. Nah. Listen, here's what I'll say. We, we, so we didn't talk about episode 14. We always named the player who wore that uniform right. number best in the NFL and beyond. Let's quickly revive. Let's make sure we take I know why there is. This is a joke. What? Why you didn't have the 14. We all know why. What's a joke? It's a joke. What did I say? It's a joke. What is wrong with you? Do you have a speech impediment no. now? It's a How joke. How do you say it? Joke? Whatever. All right. A joke. What? I don't even know what that means. Episode 14, Dan Fouts is the greatest. Why Kittle wore it. Pete Rose wore it. Jim Rice yeah, wore it. Right. Doug Shedden wore uh-huh. it. Uh, mm-hmm. Trying to think of who else wore are we it. Getting, have we gotten to the greatest receiver of all time? Jerry, Don Hudson? Rice wore 80. Don Hudson, Don Hudson wore Don number 14. And it's a joke that you wouldn't have him on there. All right. That's why you didn't do it. See, we, if I would if I would have been sitting beside you, prior to that Marcus Allen interview, I would have said, "Hey, wait, why aren't we doing number 14? Mm-hmm. But since I apparently wasn't there, you didn't even show all re- up. You all recorded history. You couldn't. You couldn't even uh, see your way to to showing up for our interview with the great Marcus Allen. So yeah, I don't think you have any business weighing in on this. <laughs> but 15 now. We're up to 15. And mm-hmm. Bart Starr clearly. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, Elvin Ferragamo. You want to know what's no, funny? No, no, like, Vince Ferragamo. He what? rates only slightly ahead of Dieter Brock. Oh! There it is. Got it. Got the Dieter Brock mention. There That's two in a row. Two did episodes you know, in a row where I get you the know? Dieter uh, Brock drop on you. You did. You, you, dropped, you dropped it before I could get to it. What's interesting to note about uh, Vince Ferragamo, when he went to Green Bay after his career with the Rams was over, he asked for number 15 when he went to Green <laughs> Bay. And they're like, um, I don't think that's going to work, fella. Like that? No, you can't have fifteen. He's like, all right, well then, give me five. Uh, his head, he, he got the brain freeze up uh, in the Great White North. Uh, <laughs> apparently, when he was playing with the Argonauts, he didn't understand or the Alouettes or whoever he. I played with the uh, Montreal Alouettes, if uh, if I remember correctly. But yes, Bart the Star, the greatest fifteen. Can't think of anyone in the other sports that wore fifteen of note. But listen, Tim I was, Salmon. I said of note. Hold so it. Let's talk about Hall of Famers because we are, after all, at the uh, Pro Football. 
Hall of Fame. And uh, like I say, go back, listen to the Marcus Allen interview. At least he was gangbusters. And I want to hear how that turned out. You really it. should. Go you down. should listen to it. I mean, listen, for a, an up and coming broadcaster like yourself, <laughs> you could really learn a few things. You know, I don't want to be immodest, but I think if you really sat down and listened to that and poured over how I approached that interview, you might yes. pick up a few uh, a few points. A few tips. And listen, if you want to talk afterwards, I'd be happy to workshop the the do's and don'ts and you know critique if you're open to some criticism i'd be happy i would to. love that okay listen let's let, let's carve out some time to make that uh, make that so okay uh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah if only you know i had some like material that i could do like if i had participated in yeah. the marcus allen interview that would have been great that i could have said hey can you take a listen to what i would have done I, yeah 2020 hindsight we should have done that but right. listen let's look let's look forward here before gil gets over here let me say this to you you know what I've enjoyed? You know, we're, you know, we're usually over there in Los Angeles and now we're in the Midwest. And the one thing that I enjoy, I know a lot of people maybe think me a masochist. I love the four seasons. I love visiting my hometown. I love being in the Midwest. I lived in Chicago for a while. I love being in Bloomington, Indiana and so on. I love feeling the bitter cold in January. I love how that feels. And uh, I love the humidity. And boy, when we walked out last night, Rank, to, to see the town of Canton, mm-hmm. we went out and we were, we were simply enveloped in the silky air, that, that humid air. It felt like, yeah. uh, it, it, it felt like, it felt like uh, a plush silk or maybe a, a crushed <laughs> velvet on, on our flesh. It was just glorious walking the streets in that kind of heat. We don't get that over there in L.A. Never. No, it was wonderful. I liked it. Yeah, I actually do like the weather out here. And the thing that also I found interesting, so often um, when people have the conversation about watching sports in mm-hmm. different time zones, you always hear the, or at least I do, always the East Coast or uh, East Coaster's perspective, the transplanted East Coaster who's used to Monday Night Football ending at, uh, you know, at 1230 or 1 a.m. and right. how nice it is, you know, after a little adjustment period, people revel in people, at least I do, waking up Saturday morning, college football's on at, at 9.00 in the a.m. and then your right. NFL games kick off at 10.00 the following day. I think it's great. And, you know, Monday Night Football ends at 9.30 at night and you still, you know, you don't have to immediately go to bed as soon as the game's over, all that kind of stuff. But you, we went to a bar last night, and you wanted to watch your beloved Halos mm-hmm. uh, try in vain to catch up to the Texas Rangers, and you actually relished sta- watching the experience. That was that's the way I grew up. Of course, is you don't you're, you're asleep before the games on the West Coast end, but you right. like staying up late to watch your Halos. It was one a.m. or whatever by the time that game ended. I'm nocturnal by nature, so it is kind of nice being here at ten o'clock in the evening. Looking out, seeing that the sun was still shining in Anaheim, game just getting underway. I think it's great. I like coming in, you know, and having something to look forward to at night, you know, because, you know, you go to an establishment, you're ordering a couple of beers, you're getting some hot wings. It's 10 o'clock. Your game is just starting. Your Mm -hmm. night's just starting. Yeah. It was great. And I also, when you talk about the Sunday mornings, I would actually prefer the 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock thing that I guess the East Coast people have. Because I knew when I was growing up, and again, this goes back, even, you know, being a kid, I liked to sleep in on Sundays. And when the Rams would be in an East Coast team, like if they're playing the Giants or something, it was always such a drag to have to get up at 10 to, like, go on. You know, you know, you know I was up the night before with my mom. We were watching a Planet of the Apes marathon or something. You know, you don't want to get up the next thing. <laughs> Is that really? That really, yeah. We used to watch. Well, they had the trilogy of. Sure. Know, 
and it, it was hard. You know, you want you kind of want to sleep in. It, it was kind of nice waking up around you know noon, not noon, but maybe eleven, and you know the games are half over. You're like whatever. The real game that you cared about started at one. Mm-hmm. So I think I would. I would. Prefer I also that. like, by the way, uh, you can follow Rank on Twitter at uh, Adam Rank and uh, me at Damashek. Um, I think uh, I, I, you made an interesting point because the we were watching the Halos game, people from different parts of the country hanging around. Mm-hmm. We were yapping about them, and of course, when they come up, people t- start talking about the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. That name. Somebody pointed out that it really is Angels, the the Angels, Angels of Anaheim. Yeah. If you take the Spanish part right. out of it, which is interesting, and uh, you had a, a good idea. If they really want to embrace as big an audience as possible, that's why they do it. Yeah, Artie Moreno dropped the ball because he could have just named the team the Earth Angels. That's a good idea. I like that. Kudos to you. I saw you tweeted that out, and I think that's a gangbusters idea. I think California Angels is about as cool a name that for a baseball team. That was that's awesome. And Same the uniforms with- that the Angels were wearing on Friday night against Seattle, where they they do a they've been doing in conjunction with their 50th anniversary. They've been breaking out all their old school uniforms, all of them except for the winged yeah. Disney era uniforms. The ones they were wearing last night, it was the mid-90s, the Tim Salmon, Jim Edmonds era. Those uniforms were the best. Yeah, they're they're classy, but they're mm-hmm. they're they they seem to have a stink on them because I remember that's those are the uniforms they wore when Randy Johnson shut them mm-hmm. out in the in the one game playoff. But listen, we're not here to talk baseball. We're here to talk about football, and it's very exciting. Every time you flip on the computer, the or turn on the TV. You see, there, there's their updates. You know what, what? How the Eagles coming together and the Jets and Ladanian Tomlinson says he's playing at least two more years now. <laughs> now going forward, all he wants to complete his career is a ring. That's all he needs. And uh, for Chargers fans, I'm sure they're wringing their hands, thinking, "Why couldn't you have wanted a ring uh, a little bit more when you when you actually could have had an influence over getting?" When you're one. sitting on the bench. Yeah, yeah. Well, he because Ladanian, you you may remember, he was only. Uh, he, I, I think he said, "I'm only eighty percent." I could yeah. be wrong about the exact quote, but Something I think like that's that. what it was. He said, "I'm I'm only eighty percent right now." Well, Phil right, well. Phil Rivers, uh, I think, had his his leg amputated. I think you can <laughs> I think you can get out there and and give it a shot there, Ladanian, right. and be a decoy because until you opened your mouth and said how what percent of uh, strength you were at, the Patriots had no idea, and you could have probably at least as a decoy served some purpose out there. But anyway, now going forward, he's ready, and now oh, that great. now that Rex Ryan has announced that Sean Green's going to get uh, the the lion's share of the workload, that's a perfect time for LT to step up and announce. That's all I want is a ring. Yeah, Great. Yeah. Enjoy it from the sidelines. That's where you do your best work. As yeah, we remember very hollow. Game. That so, would be like winning a ring playing against Rex Grossman. I don't think it would mean as much. <laughs> well, that's what we want to do. I, t- I said, we're the outsiders. Gil Brandt, insider. Let's mm-hmm. debut our segment, Inside Out. I wanna, right. I'll let, we'll do that, and uh, let's see if we can uh, wrangle Gil to come on over here and join us. Dave. David. Well, look who it is, Rank. The last time we saw his face was in the press box at the Super Bowl, Cowboy Stadium. We've talked about it many times. Here he is, the the ultimate insider when it comes to the NFL and a, uh, a gentleman to boot, Gil Brandt. Good to see you again, man. Well, thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here with the great Adam Rank. Uh, <laughs> you know, I feel uh, flattered to be here. <laughs> well, yeah, like I say, you know, we, we, we yap about it, and uh, we uh, it was the best seat in the house. We wound up, you know, we were caught well, you up. You weren't supposed to be there. That's right. right. 
Well, you don't have to point that okay. out. You don't have to you de- diminish cheap, me. You had one of the cheap seats out in the corner. That's but, right. But but we acquiesced to you and made space for it. <laughs> I fought my way in. You pitied me. You took pity on me. All right. And uh, and that was very nice. But it was the best seat in the house for Rank and I because we're on one side of us is Gil Brandt. The other is Pat Kerwin. We were getting better analysis than anyone watching the game on TV with uh, with those analysts. And so it was great. And um, – and uh, you had so many great stories, though, in the SUV on the way to the stadium that morning. You were dementia mentions. You took I'm, I'm a Steeler fan. You took me for a spin on the sideline a couple hours before the game. And then we go up into the luxury box. It was it was just uh, a splendid time. But you were telling great stories on the way there. Talk about in was it Super Bowl 10 or Super Bowl 13? Where the bus got lost. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it was kind of an interesting trip because uh, I had invited a good friend of mine uh, down to be our guest at the game. And that good friend happened to be Coach Woody Hayes just after he had gotten fired at Ohio State. And, and uh, so he was on the first bus with Coach Landry and myself. And, and we had a guy named Larry Brunson, uh, who was a Florida player who grew up in Miami. And we have this cavalcade of buses, about eight buses. And uh, all of a sudden we turn and Larry Brinson said, this is not the right way to go. And the driver said, oh, yes, it is. He said, we ran the route yesterday and it was the right route. Well, we ran the route again that Sunday. And what happened is, is that we found it was a dead end street. And now we have to turn all these buses around and get to the game. And we get there late and, and the Steeler fans are rocking the bus and everything. So, uh, you know, there, there's just so many things that have taken place in this league if you've been around as long as I have uh, and you realize what it is. And, and let me take you to this game where we're at right now. The, the, in 1968, the Dallas Cowboys played in this game. Now, the first time I'd ever came here was 1963. And in those days, you would go and watch practices. Uh, you couldn't watch practices, but you could watch games. And our team was so bad. Uh, that we tried to look at other teams to see if there was any players that were worthwhile picking up for us or not. Uh, But anyway, uh, so that was the first time I'd been here to see Cleveland and Pittsburgh play. Uh, But we played here in 1968, and and probably the most eventful thing that happened leading up to the game uh, was the fact in those days, uh, the Hall gave you 65 uh, uh, shares to give to the $50 that the player got for playing in the game. And, and in those days, you didn't get any money in training camp, but once you started playing preseason games, you got $50. And, and of course, we had about 100 guys that we brought back here from California. And, and the big thing with Tex was, hey, who's going to pay the other 35 players the $50? And that was the event leading up to the, the, the game in which we got beat by a punt return by a bear, I think it was 30 to 24, uh, is, is what happened. But I, I think it goes to show you just how far the game has come, how far the hall has come. Yeah, it's funny. Well, it's funny. I I can't imagine that happening in the 21st century. You talk about the Super Bowl, so I, I, that would have been Super Bowl 13 down in Miami. That, that it, it's inconceivable that a, a team bus would get lost that gets you to the Super Bowl an hour and 15 minutes before the biggest game on the face of the earth. Was there any chance that this was a conspiracy by a Steelers fan? <laughs> well, I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, no, you know, I, 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 I'll say this, that uh, 
you know, I guess it was an honest mistake, but uh, supposedly, as I said, that they had run the route, as they said, the day before, and our escort knew where they were going and so forth, and obviously they didn't know where they were going. There are so many things I'd like to talk to you about as a Steeler fan versus, you know, you, you put that, you were the architect of those Cowboys teams. And I like to talk about, you know, how different teams might be perceived if a couple of things had gone differently. And, uh, boy, that Cowboys team, as great as it was, do you feel like that the Steelers ultimately took away the, the, the title of you being known as the, as the NFL's all-time greatest team. Those 70s Cowboys would have been had they won one of those Super Bowls against the Steelers. Instead, the Steelers are now regarded as the greatest team. What do, what do you think about well, that? Well, remember this now, that the Cowboys won more games in that decade than the Steelers did. The unfortunate thing is the Steelers beat us in two Super Bowls is what happened. And... Uh, Another interesting thing of, to show you how teams have changed. In that particular game, we suited up 86 players, 43 and 43. Of the 43 Steelers, none of them had played with another team. Of the 43 Cowboys, only one, Preston Pearson, had played with another team. You know, today, if you've got 15 players on a team after a period of five years that they've been there, uh, they consider that a lot. So it was so much different in that we had no free agency. You know, it was who could do the best job drafting and who could do the best job of signing undrafted free agents. Well, what's amazing is that the Steelers seem to be able to keep on top and they do everything right. They're, they're always in the mix, it seems like, going all the way back. How have they been able to, to just keep with the changes? Well, uh, Adam, I think the, the fortunate thing for them is they had a disastrous season. Uh, the year that a quarterback by the name of Roethlisberger came out. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, I think they won seven games the year before, or even, maybe not, not even seven, and, and they were able to draft a quarterback. I think the biggest key to this league is to have a quarterback. I don't, I don't think there's any question about it. I think it's a quarterback-driven league. I think it, with a new collective bargaining agreement, it becomes a quarterback-driven league and a coach-driven league because I think the people that are able to do the best job coaching and accomplishing the most are the ones that are going to have the best chance of being successful uh, because we're cutting down on practice time, we're cutting down on OTAs, uh, so it's going to be who does the best job of organizing practices and getting things done within the time that's allotted. What do you think about, uh, I rank it this way now, it used to be you need a, uh, you know, first round picks typically went to, to great running backs coming out. Now people say wait till the second or beyond when you grab a running back. It seems more important to have, like you say, great QB, great left tackle, and a, and a lockdown corner. It seems like those are the three key positions on the field these days. Well, I think you can play without a lockdown corner. Uh, I think if you have a right end, that can rush the passer. And if you have a Bruce Smith of that type of rusher playing there, uh, and of course now everybody's smart enough that they've got their best player, usually their best player, if it's a right-handed quarterback, playing left tackle to block Freeney uh, is, is what it amounts to. So it negates that. But, uh, you know, we're a passing league. Last year, I think 31 teams passed more than they ran. Uh, and when you go back and you talk about Super Bowl games, uh, you know, Bob Greasy, I think, won the Super Bowl one time and he threw the ball nine times and was the MVP. You know, nine times, I mean, we're liable to do that in the first quarter now. 
Uh, talk about now. I, I definitely want to. I want to debut a segment that I that that uh, Rank and I have been uh, bandying about. We'll get to that in just a second because we're outsiders. You're the ultimate insider. But first, I say I mentioned running back, and that reminds me of this in Super Bowls and everything else. Tony Dorsett. You call him Tony Dorsett. You made him fancy once he got down the to the Lone Star State. But when he was more humble, you know, on the you know Al Aquippa. Steel Town, right? M- my mother, Mo Damashek from Hopewell, you know, right at the border there of Aliquippa, right. and you know, so you know, Joe Name is from up there, and a lot of great, obviously great uh, football players from that neck of the woods. But talk about when you stole him from Seattle, and then also beyond. I want to hear what do you think? You're a little biased because you were Tony Dorsett. You you brought him in. Tony Dorsett or Emmett Smith, if you have to have – it's one game going into the big game. You want Which of those two guys do you want in the backfield? Well, I think that uh, no uh, – it's a tougher question, and I'm probably biased. Uh, I, I just think that Tony was so much more of a threat uh, than Emmett was. Uh, and by that I mean, you know, Tony could catch the ball coming out of the backfield, make big plays, uh, made great runs. Uh, for us and uh, you know I, I think that you have to go back into the era that they played because when Tony played when he came out we didn't spread the field when Emmett played we spread the field and it's a lot easier to run the ball when you've got people can you imagine Jim Brown what he would have done in this era or Gail Sayers what would have done in this era uh, when you can spread the field you know it's obviously uh, a, a lot easier uh, to be a productive running back. But see, what's happened with running backs is there's a lot of them available, and we're not using as many as we did before. We used to have five running backs on a team. And a running back used to be your punt returner. A running back used to be your kickoff returner. Now people have a specialized player to return punts and kickoffs. And, and so we cut down. We now utilize a tight end by becoming an H-back that can line up in the backfield and be a blocker. And, and, and incidentally, uh, put this name down, Brian Batch from Pittsburgh. I think he was a seventh round pick. Uh, Aaron Batch. Aaron yeah. Batch. Yeah, he's from tearing Mid- it up in the early Midland, days of the training camp. From so Midland, far. Texas. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be one of the real surprises uh, 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 coming out of this draft. Uh, but, but we don't use as many backs as we used to. Uh, and we don't carry the ball as many times as we used to. So the emphasis uh, is not so much on drafting a back high. We don't manufacture as many big, strong defensive linemen as we can wide receivers and running backs. So consequently, the big linemen go very fast. And everybody says the back I get on the third round might not be quite as good as the one I could have got on the first round, but the big linemen that I would have got on the third round is nowhere near as good as the back I would have gotten. And it's always weird to, to talk about a, a person in the Hall of Fame as being underrated. Tony Dorsett seems to be one of those guys, appears to be a little underrated. Gil, let me ask you this, though. When I think of Tony Dorsett's career, did Daryl Green have the angle on him when he caught him from behind? Well, I, I tell you what, the play happened right in front of our bench, really. And, and I have to say this, Daryl Green came from the left side of the field, across the field, uh, the left side offensively and and made the play on on Tony so I would have to say that uh, Daryl Green caught him from behind 
My old man has uh, told me too many times for me to count that if Tony had been in a different offense, if he'd gotten if he'd gotten four or five more carries a game, he would have gone down as the uh, the all time leading rusher and would be regarded a little bit differently. I agree with Rank. There's a sense that as great as he is, when people talk about the five or six greatest runners in history, it seems like uh, Dorsett's name isn't brought up enough. Well, I, I think all you have to do is is go and see some tape. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a particular run uh, against St. Louis in St. Louis on, on the left side that was a two-yard touchdown run that was probably the best or one of the best touchdown runs I've ever seen. Uh, I seem to remember the play that he scored in the Super Bowl uh, against uh, in New Orleans against uh, Denver. Denver yep. That was a great run. So uh, the reason he didn't play more downs was because Coach Landry wanted to preserve him. Um. <laughs> All right, let's now let's get into this. Rank and I, it's a big thing for us. We watch the top 100 current list and then the all-time greatest NFL players. And I don't know how it hit you, but Peyton Manning, we're going to call this segment, by the way, Gil Brandt, let's call it Inside Out. Or maybe we'll call it In and Out. You decide. But either way, we're the outsiders. You're the ultimate insider. Listen, Peyton Manning, the eighth greatest NFL player in history. Then you watch the top 100 list of the current players. He's second only to Tom Brady, but he's ahead of Ben Roethlisberger, who has two super. Drew Brees, you know, just strictly speaking about quarterbacks, this this idea that over the last decade, that if you talk about football, if you talk about NFL football, that you're required to kiss Tom Brady and Peyton Manning into the top one and two players in the league, and everyone falls in the line behind them. What am I missing? To me, Rank, I know Rank agrees with me about this. This guy has thrown away, Brett Favre, always the gunslinger, but, you know, he threw, he threw some bad passes and big situations in Those his career. So is Peyton Manning. Well, so, but, yeah, but Peyton Manning has thrown, for all of his regular season deeds, has thrown an awful lot of big picks in big games for the Colts. Tell me why I'm wrong that I think Peyton Manning's not, – I'm not saying he's not a great player, just not the, all, the eighth greatest NFL player in history. Well, let me take you back to the Super Bowl that he threw a touchdown for an interception. My question to you is, did Reggie Wayne run the right route? I don't know. I know that the savvy uh, alumnus of uh, my alma mater, Indiana University, jumped the route and, uh, you know, yeah. and took it to pay dirt. So, listen, you can't he, – he got a fine education there from uh, at Indiana University, and obviously he learned something about Peyton Manning. Listen – Yeah, he learned it? that the area code was 812. <laughs> listen, that's very good. That's impressive that you know that. Uh, but seriously, talk, what, what – Peyton Manning failures more often than not against the Patriots. His career playoff record, his career postseason record is under 500. He has, like I say, he's failed against lesser Chargers teams. He's come up short in, in big games in the AFC. He's, he's fallen on his face in the Super Bowl. If he hadn't have played Rex Grossman in one Super Bowl, he'd be Dan Marino. I mean, I think Dan Marino gets minimized in comparison to Peyton Manning, and the difference in their careers is that Marino played Joe Montana in his yes. one Super Bowl, and Peyton Manning played Rex Grossman in his. If, if Ma Marino has a ring on his finger, I think Marino's hailed as a better player, no? Well... Uh you know, I, I think it's one of those arguments. You can go on forever and ever and ever and ever. And I think it's always in the eyes of the beholder. You know, it's like drafting. Some people rate one player higher than another because they fit a system better. Uh, as an example, uh, Paul Horning is in the Hall of Fame. Paul Horning was a pretty darn good football player. Uh, Paul Horning would not have been a good football player in the Dallas Cowboys system. 
Tony Dorsett probably would not have been nearly as great a football player in Green Bay system at that time. So I think that sometimes systems lead to success. See, I, I, so I'll say this. First of all, Peyton Manning won more games, or his Colts won more games uh, in the uh, 90s uh, than anybody else. Uh, I, I believe I'm right when I say that, or or or, the, or this maybe this past. Decade, I mean, yeah, the, the this 20, 20, 2000. Right. The, right. Uh, and 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 yet, you know, uh, outside of 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 Red of Reggie Wayne and Harrison, and and you know, was Harrison a product of the system, or was he that great? I th- yeah. Well, you talk about that. I agree with you. Marvin Harrison would not have thrived in, like you say, Green Bay right. or the, you know a lot uh, of different places. Uh, but uh, Pittsburgh, like, yeah. Like I say, uh, I just uh, when I put all the things together, and I say if I had to have one quarterback for one game to win, I would pick Manning. But he did. But he doesn't win the big games. That, that would be that would be a foolish choice on your part, Gil Brandt. When guys do come up big and big, say, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. I'm just talking current players. So all right, yeah. And and like you point out, yes, Marvin Harrison, system player. Reggie Wayne would go to the Hall of Fame with or without him. Dallas Clark is a, is obviously one of the best tight ends of of the era. Jeff Saturday is likely going to go into the Hall of Fame someday. Dwight Freeney is. It's not like this team is the, – the cupboard is bare with Peyton Manning. So I just uh, – you know, I, I, I don't uh, – you know, when push comes to shove. I just – I think he's very good, one of the top four or five QBs, but I would rather have Aaron Rodgers right now, Brady, Roethlisberger, probably Drew Brees. Maybe not Drew Brees, but definitely those other names I just named to you. But you're you're the insider, so can you I, would know better than I. Can I interject a Jeff Saturday story? I would like you I, to. Okay. Do you know who Kirk Ferentz is? Yes. yes. Okay, Kirk Ferentz at the time was the offensive line coach uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, there was a young man uh, that grew up in Atlanta that went to North Carolina by the name of Jeff Saturday that went undrafted. And he signed as a free agent with the Baltimore Ravens. And everybody brings, or did at the time, they would bring their draft choices and undrafted free agents in and have a Thursday, Friday, Saturday type of workout. And then on Sunday, they'd send them home and the coaches would sit down and decide who they were going to keep and who they were not going to keep. And so they got around to Kirk Ferentz. And Kirk Ferentz says, there will be no Saturday on Sunday. (laughs) <laughs> not the end of the story. He has a buddy that's at Indianapolis. Hobgood Chitty was his last name. He decides, <laughs> he decides he's going to visit Hobgood Chitty. And, and uh, he's there, and uh, uh, Hobgood Chitty is working out that following Sunday. And what happens, or weekend, and what happens is two centers go down. Uh, so their offensive line coach... Uh, decides that they need a center. And Hobgood Chitty says, look, you don't have to get a center. I got one laying on the couch at my place that's better than anybody you could bring in here. And you say, yes, he has a chance to go to the Hall of Fame. So, uh, uh, you know, there's so many people that are so good that one way or the other they could be in the penthouse or the outhouse. (laughs) But would you say Peyton Manning... Could he have survived or could he have thrived on any other team? Like, let's say he was the quarterback of the Steelers. If he was the quarterback, let's say he landed in Cincinnati. Is he a product of that system or would he have thrived anywhere? I, I think he would have thrived anywhere. 
and, and, and simply because, first of all, I think to be successful in anything you do, you have to have work habits. And I think the guy has great, great work habits and time allocation and, and, and works so much, works so much to bring along people like Dallas Clark, uh, as an example, and make him, instead of just a complimentary player, make him a Pro Bowl player as well as amounts to. Uh, I'm a Manning fan, and, and I'm a Brady fan. Uh, I don't think nearly as high as Brett Favre. Uh, I'm a Roger Staubach fan. And, and when it comes down to it, you know, it's, it's like asking, what do you want, four quarters, two half dollars, ten dimes? They all come up to a dollar. Gil Brandt, it's a pleasure always to yap with you. And uh, love listening to you on uh, your serious show. Anybody who's got the satellite in there, turn away from the Howard Stern for five minutes once in a while and tune in Gil Brandt because it's gangbusters. I love listening to, uh, to, to hearing you. All right, listen, so um, we're going to go to the Hall of Fame inductions later on uh, this afternoon. But, uh, listen, good times already for us. I feel like we're ahead of the game with uh, Marcus Allen yesterday, Gil Brandt, and who knows what awaits us. Either way, we appreciate you uh, you checking it out. Go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, won't you? It's a good call again. All right, uh, we'll be back for more fun later on. But in the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com.